and welcome everybody to another episode of the world's greatest podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Yes, as you can hear from a distinct lack of mouth breathing, it is just me and Jim this week. No Stan. He's, um, well, allegedly looking for somewhere to hide all his body, but more on that later, Jim. He's a part-timer nowadays, I hear. Yeah. Too many times he's sworn in off on a Monday. Mm, it's all them steak, eh? Yeah. That's what I like. <laughs> he's earning too much money at a certain council, which we shall not be named. Yes, one that we shall not name, Sussex. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway... Now, we'll, we'll move north from Stan's work in Sussex. We'll move north, northwest gym, specifically Old Trafford, where Liverpool ran out 5-0 winners away at Man United. I mean, I think we all thought they'd lose, Jim, but not this badly. No, unless you're um, the mystic man himself, Paul Scholes, who this week has been sucking on his daughter's toes. That's interesting. Oh, bro. <laughs> so weird, man. What, what was that about? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, after they came back against um, uh, Atlanta in the week uh, in the Champions League, he, yeah, he pretty much said um, there was all buzzing in the studio and typical Skulls was was down on a free to come back. Of course, he was, but he, he was kind of right in what he was saying. Um, saying against quality opposition, you get battered, and let's see him do that against Liverpool. And that's exactly what happened. He was 4 0 down at half time, he was out of the game, like Skulls said. 50 minutes in, 5-0, and about 30,000 United fans are walking out. <laughs> it was it was very similar to um, City 6 United one, which was 10 years ago on Saturday. Um, but arguably even worse, because that game kind of derailed very late on. This game was was over before the, the half. And, and yeah, it was, it was embarrassing. It was for United anyway, but for Liverpool... Amazing. Salah is the best player in the world at the minute. He's just the best player in the world, full stop, really. Um, 10 games he scored in now. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, he's coming for Vardy's record, perhaps, for his uh, goals in a row. But we'll soon see. I mean, obviously, emphasis on how shit United were, but Liverpool were, well, scintillating. They were, they were, they were very, very good. They were good value for money. They were ruthless in front of goal. And like Scholes, he rightly said, like you said, against better opposition, you'll get punished. And Liverpool, one of the best teams in the world at the moment. And lest we forget, they had a really difficult game midweek away at Atletico Madrid, where they came out with three points and they even rotated players for this game. I know that no Fabinho was a big one that jumped out at me from, from the get-go. And when you seen the Gamered himself in midfield, James Milner, you could you could only you can only think the worst, but it just shows the lack of depth that they have. They're just getting by. And I mean, long may it continue if you're a Liverpool fan, but we'll see how far they get on. Yeah, I, I didn't actually watch um, the game I was out, but from what I hear, Liverpool were pretty much just stuck in third gear and um, cruised away. United for spells were probably the better team um, from what some people are saying you watched it. And to me, that just screams that it was more of a case of, yeah, Liverpool have been really good this season and um, they're definitely one of the best teams in the world. I think them, City and Chelsea, for me, would be the top three. And But this game in particular was more of a case of how bad United are and how far they are off um, that trio of English sides at the top of the Premier League. Um, 
Whereas realistically, when you look at the squad and who they brought in this summer, um, building off coming second last campaign and being in a European final, they've took a major step backwards. And I think they might be tired. There's a lot of rumblings today about meeting to the Glaciers and about Solskjaer. Um, I think maybe would be would it would it would it would it be a surprise if Solskjaer's in charge for United Spurs on on Saturday this weekend or what Sunday whatever it is. I think I think it would be a surprise just because I feel like if it was my, my club and I'm just personalising it for a Chelsea perspective, if we'd gone on the, the kind of shit form that they had and then we'd been dicked by a United or a City or a, a Liverpool, then he would be gone. But that's just our that's just our ownership model. But in my opinion, he should go. I mean, he's he's obviously out of his depth. He's took him to a point which was always going to happen. He, he never had enough. And if you just look in front of him, you've got Guardiola, Klopp and Thomas Tuchel at the moment who are still three of probably the best five coaches in world football at this moment in time. And it, the, the golfing class is showing. I mean, they're currently, they currently sit eight points off Chelsea, seven off Liverpool and six off Man City. But the golfing class is a lot bigger than what the points say at the moment in the Prem. We've only played nine games, but it only gets harder for United because, like we said a couple of weeks ago on the pod, they've got a hard run. Atalanta at home, they've they've got through it. They've been beaten by Liverpool. They've got Spurs away, and they've got to go to Bergamo for Atalanta away. Man City at home, and they're just games where you, you do worry for them. And if they lose against Tottenham, how, how can you get any further than rock bottom, so to speak? Yeah, that is um, two managers who are really struggling, I feel like, and they're still in decent positions in the table, but on the pitch, they're not getting the performances, the results are kind of saving them every so often, but even though Nuno's relatively new there, I don't see him lasting that long at Spurs either. I mean, I go back to talking about United, though. Um, I think Solskjaer's done a, he's done a good job. You can't, you, you can't say he hasn't really from where they were to where they are now in terms of how good the squad is and how, how ready it is to challenge because we was all saying pre-season um, that United should be challenging for a title and that's true with the players that they've got but that defence for me is really worrying. Um, the scoring goals, I mean, I know they didn't score on the weekend but they, they look good attacking-wise, United. Um, but just defensively, like all over the place, um, there's a lot. They just not they kept like one clean sheet in something like six months. It is mental, and that was against Wolves, and Wolves absolutely battered them that day. They, Wolves should have won about three one. Um, like just last week alone, what they conceded four at Leicester, they conceded two at Atalanta, then they conceded five against Liverpool. That's in the space of a week. Um, the, and that defense on paper is, is nearly three hundred million pound defense minus the keeper who's on three hundred grand a week himself. I know money doesn't translate to good performances, but these are good players. So something is just going horribly wrong. Whether Solskjaer's lost, the players have lost confidence in Solskjaer and they're just not turning performances. Or I'd, I'd, I honestly don't know what it baffles me. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of problems at Old Trafford. Obviously, uh, ranging from how how do you get Ronaldo in the team and United to still be defensively resolute how do you get Jaden Sancho on the pitch and give him valuable minutes and because you can't just hand these players minutes but obviously earn them and Sancho's evidently not done enough for United but they've still got a situation 
where Dean Henderson at the end of the season, they've not resolved that situation where they've still got David De Gea on 300 grand a week. And rightly so, Henderson's probably going to say at the end of the season, I want to leave because he, sh- he should be playing for, for a big side. But the the I listened to a, a quote from Oli, Jim, and I just want to get your opinion on it because I found it absolutely ridiculous. He said, when asked about his future, we can't stop now, we're so close. What what are you close to? Because you're not close to City, Liverpool, or Chelsea. You you're not close to bridging that gap at all. And it seems like you've got worse, if anything. So can you believe Ollie when he says we're close to something? Yeah, no, I, I completely get where you're coming from because yeah, they just took a major step backwards despite bringing in the right players. We would say and your Sancho, your Ronaldo, um, bringing Cavani back, Rafa Varane, excellent signing. I can only imagine Solskjaer is talking about maybe getting a central midfielder in. Um, but, I mean, he, that, that's kind of an attitude of like just sitting there playing ultimate team and plugging players into a, an eleven because it's all well and good saying they've got these great players. and Yeah, they have on paper, but like you've just run through the team, they've got problems all over the pitch. Um, they, they can't... All he doesn't know is best eleven for one. That's never a good sign. Um it's a lot different to the way a Chelsea or a City would heavily rotate. He genuinely doesn't have a clue how to fit these players in a system. These attackers, your Sancho, your Greenwood, your Ronaldo, Rashford, Martial. He doesn't know how to get a press going because of some of them players. Cavani as well. Midfield is all over the place. It's one of the weakest midfields in the top 10. Um, McTominay, Fred. Yeah. No, they get, they get dominated by... Um, average teams in that midfield and then defence on paper looks great this season has been awful maybe their only constant this year has been David De Gea's great performances uh, which yeah, I think he's actually been quite consistent and he's he's won his place back but like you just said they've got the Henderson thing lurking and they've got problems everywhere yeah they do it's like they put the Henderson situation on ice like he got COVID really bad and without sounding too sinister that kind of helped United put that on the back burner it was like well we don't have to deal with this straight away because it's a problem we can discuss in 12 months. And they were very lucky because this was almost the point where they had to discuss it this season. And let's be honest, you can get a fair fee for Henderson if they choose to sign. You get about 30, 40 million quid for a guy who's barely kicked a ball in a United shirt. But that's... that's yeah, not yeah, I want to ask you about, um, about, about replacements. I mean, we've seen some reports today. Um, actually, Dan's happy to just kind of stay on holiday in a break, um, not kind of ready for football. Um, Poch at PSG isn't going that well. Maybe they can lure him away. Ten Hag just maybe come from Ajax, who they're, they're playing well in the Champions League this year. But the main standout is um, a man you've admired before, a man I've admired before, but does he fit at United? Does Antonio Conte fit at United? Because we know how he likes to play, um, but do they have them kind of players? The thing, the thing is, like, I, it, it upsets me seeing Conte linked to this job because I, I love him a lot and he's he'll always have a place in in my heart because of, uh, I'm just very romantic with him because when I first started going to games all the time, it was his first season and that's the year we won the league under him playing three at the back. But Conte's, he's almost like light Mourinho, but not quite in terms of he needs a squad that are in the prime. So when he had Lukaku last year, for example... Lukaku peak of his powers 28 could get a tune out of him. Uh, players like Hakimi, like players play he needs players like that. And he can get he can get the best out of shit. Like, for example, like what we saw with Jacarini at the Oros. Like he he can do that, but 
he's not a great fit for United because Ronaldo throw his tires out the pram once. Conte will say, "There's the door, mate. See you later." Because I'm not having that in here. And his mantra, you could say, is work, work, work. And that United team don't run. They don't run. So it's 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 almost like white noise. If Conte came in, he'd be telling them, "This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do." And they still wouldn't do it because the players they don't have that mental switch like a Pogba who we've not even spoke about, but I'll ask you, that they have. And segueing to Pogba, Jim, he didn't really look that pissed off when he got sent off. I'm not saying he got sent off on purpose because I don't think he did, but he didn't look pissed off. Yeah. Um, I, he says, you know, it stands on the pod today, but he said many things about Pogba, which I um, I completely agree with. Um, he's just a player who is enormously talented, but one with the circus that he brings behind him, he's just not worth having at your club. Um, like you say, the way he got sent off, he was kind of smiling and smirking about it. I mean, you're 5-0 down and against your faces rivals, just be sent off and you're smirking. I've seen a quote from uh, Roy Keane from, I think it was last season, and it was about, obviously maybe the season before, and it's about how there's personnel on the United team who threw um, Van Gaal under the bus, who threw Mourinho under the bus, and the leopards don't change the spots and they'll do the same with Ole. And I think Paul, and I know he gets a lot of criticism, maybe wrongly so from the likes of like your Sunnesses on Sky, but he does, he does deserve criticism because his his attitude is a joke. Um, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't lead the team on the pitch in any way, and he's a seasoned professional. He's he's won the World Cup. He's won, so he he should be doing a lot better than what he is. And yeah, it's just embarrassing anyway. Did he? It kind of makes United fans lose complete faith in him after after he's sending off against Liverpool. He's needless sending off and then smirking all the way after. I, I would have hated that as a City fan to watch a player do that. Oh, 100%. Lad. If he if he was doing that for my team and he's, he's smiling, having been sent off, and you can say he's smiling because it's almost like if you don't laugh, you'll cry kind of thing. But I don't think he's that arsed enough to cry. Like, that was the point. And the, with, with Pogba, it's... It's a square peg in a round hole. That's that's all it is. He needs to be the guy in a league where he's not burdened with playing against the best players every week. And it's just shown like his tenure at Manchester United when he leaves in the summer, because I've got no doubt in my mind that he's off. When he leaves, I think a lot of United fans, even the ones that are like cult Paul Pogba fans, will say he's, he's been a failure. It's been a complete failure. And the fact that he was brought in to build a team around him at the time Lest we forget, they was they were signing loads of players at the time, and he was the the main staple point of that team. And just moving on to Liverpool, Jim, because we've kind of just spoke about how shit United are. How good is Mo Salah at the moment? And do you think he is definitively the best player in the world at this moment in time? Oh yeah, he's he's clear. He he's clear. He's ridiculous. Um, the consistency, the level of class against the bigger opponents. He doesn't miss this season. He's gone up a level, even from that record-breaking season a few years ago when he was the player of the season. I think he'll be the player of the year again. I actually, um, I said the other day, I remember when he won the player of the year and I think it was the season Bernardo was unreal for us. So fans were clamouring for him to win player of the year, but then you just couldn't deny Salah. And I think the same's happening this year because Bernardo decided to be unreal again. But Salah is just, it's just, He's just levels above anyone at the minute. Um, since he's signed there from Roma, he's not stopped. He's not a day off. Um, I think he'll go down as one of the greatest ever Premier League players. 
And I think you you kind of look at players who are active at the minute and don't think of him that way. But it's a case of when they're gone, you look back on him and think, "Fucking hell, he was good." He's like he's he's better than Suarez. He's better than Torres. Like the way they were at Liverpool, and they were like world class, best in their position kind of players. Salah is ridiculous this year. Yeah, I think I think the argument of because I've seen it recently, obviously with Salah becoming the highest scorer in Africa, African, sorry, not Africa, not the highest, <laughs> not the highest scoring continent in Premier League history, but the highest scoring African uh, overtaking DDA drug, but it just puts him in that upper echelon. And like you said, Jim, it might be a case of you don't know what you've got until it's gone. But the main difference is Salah's dragged this Liverpool team to European Cup and Premier League double, whereas Suarez and Torres took them to fourth place and that's the that's the difference for me and that just shows the uh that just shows the the golf in how good these guys are and how high a level that Mo Salah's operating gym and sticking with players that are operating at a higher level Mason Mount got his first hat trick in his career well his professional career because he got one for the youth team I saw on Twitter before but his first professional hat trick what do you think of the boy yeah, really good player. Um, kind of similar to Salah in not nothing like stylistically, but in this in the same when he, when Salah first times Liverpool and people going, oh yeah, it's like a one season wonder kind of thing. You didn't really believe the hype and kind of similar when Mount was coming through under Lampard at Chelsea when you're thinking, yeah, good player, but now too short. Will he will he kick on? And he, and he has. He, he's just he's got better and better, and he's now one of Chelsea's best players and. That must be great for you as a Chelsea fan to see because he's a Chelsea boy and he's similar to the way I love Foden. You must love Mount the same. Um, yeah, and they're on similar levels. Um, Mount is uh, such a good player, I, I do really like him. And yeah, and a hat trick against so yeah, it was against Norwich, but um, we'll speak about them soon. But yeah. uh, you, you can only beat who was in front of you. And um, with Lukaku, he stepped up and created five goals on his own, pretty much. Yeah. It was, it was a big day for the academy at the weekend. All the goal scorers were English and it was all from the academy, apart from one that was an own goal, but it was scored by an Englishman. So thank you very much, Max Aaron. I'm surprised he wasn't like a loney or something. Done <laughs> <laughs> years at the test. <laughs> and time for Norwich. But no, it was a hat-trick for Mount, goal for Callum Hudson-Odoi, which was brilliant. His first start in ages, which is good for him. Ben Chilwell scoring for the fourth game in a row. And then capped off by our other wing back in Reese James scoring a, a really good ship. And it was a good day for the English boys. Southgate was present at the bridge for the early. And we just slapped Norwich. Like we've, we've said, we, Chelsea turned up with a point to prove. And Norwich finished with 10 men, but the, the game was gone. Similar to the Liverpool game in terms of like the game was well gone before they had 10 men. Like the 10 men is just a case of added frustration, you could say. But Chelsea were excellent. Norwich are definitely the worst team in the league by far. I mean, I, did, I thought it was Watford at the start of the year, but I've changed my mind. It's definitely an Norwich. Yeah. Um, I was actually speaking about this uh, with somebody about the relegation part. It's actually kind of interesting. It will fill up 19th and 18th because, yeah. I mean, we'll speak about Watford soon, but Ranier is a good coach and they seem to have put together a decent start to the season, really. Yeah. Um, and then you've got teams who are down there like, Likes of Burnley and Dyche always gets more trouble. Um, Newcastle with the new owners, Leeds. Surely they won't go down, but it'd be so funny if they did. Yeah. Um, Leeds, like you say, amazing last year. They're right down there. Southampton, I think they're too good to go down personally, but they're the Palace. They put together some good performances. They should have beaten Arsenal last weekend. 
But the clear loser in the league, the clear whipping boys, is Norwich. I think we can call them down now, yeah. Oren. Um, yeah, I remember two years ago when he was in, at least he had some decent players in there. They had a bit of Fred in there, like Timo Puki was a goal scorer. Yeah. Cantwell was a good young lad. They had the full-backs. Uh, Godfrey was a good player. Buendia was creating chances, but they've just got none of that now. Yeah, they, they never learned the lesson, Norwich. I, I, I honestly actively dislike them as a football club the same way <laughs> dislike Watford yo-yos either stay up or stay down because I can't deal with the indecisiveness where they're too good for the championship but they're just too shit for the Prem like it's just it's always happens and like you said there's teams that are down there teams that are still winless Norwich, Newcastle, Burnley and Leeds no or have Leeds got no, one Leeds, Leeds, Leeds have won one I believe it might have been against yeah, Norwich yeah, as well. Watford. Oh, no, they play Norwich soon. They beat Watford, didn't they? 1-0, yeah. So, yeah, Norwich, Newcastle and Burnley all winless, having played, well, yeah, just short of 10 games. It's, it doesn't look good. And Norwich, there's not really much to say on the Chelsea game. Chelsea were excellent. Norwich were very, very poor. And I think they definitely will get relegated. But just to touch on what you said about Ranieri, Jim, obviously Watford went away to Everton and won 5-2. Josh King, a guy who didn't score one goal for Everton, got himself a nice little hat trick against them. And I know it's the new manager bounce. I know it's the old cliche of someone comes in, you get that rub and the confidence is high. But like you said, Ranieri's a good coach. Ranieri could potentially keep them up. But I think it's a case of how shit is everyone else around you for Watford to stay up because they are bad. Yeah, they're going to be right down there. They're going to need to keep fighting until the end. But Ranieri, like you say, great coach. He instills clean sheets in the team by rewarding them with pizza. So what else can you ask for? <laughs> um, no, but yeah, I, I actually think I remember saying when, he, when they sacked the manager and got him, it could be a touch of genius. You kind of look at it and think, oh, it's classic Watford here. But they're kind of not letting themselves slip into the relegation zone before firing a manager who's out of his depth. And in like Ranieri, like realistically, Cisco Munoz and Ranieri, when it comes to Premier League experience, it's not even a competition. No. So they've been ruthless, but ruthlessness keeps you in the league. And ruthlessness is what teams like Norwich don't have. It, like Daniel Farker has done great things for Norwich, but come on, it's, it's, it's time to realise that he's not a Premier League manager. 100%. And it's a case of Watford going against the usual blueprint of being reactive, whereas this now, they're being almost proactive. Like you've just said then, they're not in the bottom three yet. However, they've not let themselves get into that position where they've given the new guy in charge potentially too much to, to deal with in the long run. Yeah, and a lot of Premier League experience in that Watford team as well. Um, not amazing players, don't blow your socks off like, but they got, they got like the Abcotsy Soko and Cleverly in there. They've been in the league for years for a and reason. But yeah, the cycling GK, the legend himself. Great sub. <laughs> Great sub on YouTube. Um, yeah, Josh King himself has he scored for what Bournemouth before. He's proved he can do it. So, you know, maybe Watford can stay up. I think it's going to be tough for him because the team's down there. I know they're struggling, but they genuinely do have talent. I know Newcastle haven't won a game yet, but there's talent in that team, isn't there? And, Yep. You'd like to think they're going to be investing in January. Well, you'd like to think. You'd like to think, Jim. But like we've just mentioned then, Watford, they'll do well to stay up. But Leeds, a team that are in and around them, like we've just said then, they've only won just the one game. They sit on seven points. But Jim, Huang scored again for Wolves. 
he's on fire, the lad. Yes, I'm sure his goal, his like goal record wasn't that good as well before he came. I think that was the worry about him. He just not stop, not stop scoring. Some players for, just love the bread. Yeah, and for a team who needed goals, um, he's been a welcome addition for Wolves, really. Yeah, it's such a weird one. Like I, I didn't know who he was. Like I didn't have a clue who Huang was before he signed. But he's he's pulling up trees, and we actually had a uh, a fan of his comment on our Cookie Pod photo today. Uh, <laughs> no way. So proud of Huang. <laughs> but no, he, <laughs> hey, we're proud of him as well at the Cookie Pod. We're proud of Huang, no matter what club he came from before, because I don't know. But Jim Valencia, was it? Yeah, yeah, he's only a young lad. Fair play, learning his craft out in uh, in Valencia there. But no, um, Bielsa for the first time in his league tenure, Jim, it's a bit of squeaky bum time for him, or should I say, squeaky bucket time. But well, well, but like I said, they've only won one game, and it was against potential relegation fodder. Is that horses for courses? I know you. It's yeah, it's getting to, it's getting to the point in it where you are starting to really worry about him. Um, because I kind of look at him now, so and go, yeah, they'd be all right because they have had injuries. Um, Bamford's been out for a few weeks now. Rafinha's mismatches here and there, and he's one of the most important players. I think um, the defense. Yeah, the defence seems to be injured every week. and I don't know. It is getting to a point now we're a quarter way into the season and they've, not won, they've only won one game and they're right down there. So they've got a massive game next week against Norwich. Um, and I know that sounds ridiculous, but they need a win. And if they, don't, if they don't win the then confidence is just going to drop even further because they was lucky to get a point at Wolves um, just Eric. in the last minute getting a penalty, just a clumsy decision from Semedo. Um, Shit. <laughs> well, there you go. there's the analysis on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think if Leeds get the get the team back together, and maybe the squad depth is is hindering hindering them this season. For me, the the one of them teams were too good to go down. But well, they have to turn it around sooner than later. Otherwise, the confidence will be a major issue. No, a hundred percent. It'll be it'll be a major issue, but. Like you said, it could be the, the Bielsa style of play where obviously they, they run the hard yards leads, they cover a lot of distance and they do that throughout the season and it's a very unforgiving style of play. You, you could you could kind of link it to the Liverpool style of play because they're very high intensity running and that's why a lot of their midfielders seem to pick up injuries because they, they run a lot. But just want to touch on just, just one shining light, you could say, from this Leeds uh, performance gym, a uh, player called Joe Gelhart, a player from the Wigan Academy who recently, well, Leeds profited off their um, their administration and got this guy in the door, cheapest chips. And I think he had the most take-ons and the most passes completed coming on as a sub for a Leeds player. And yeah, he's only 19, but the, the lad looks good. And he, I had him on this, my ticks footy manager, but he's actually playing up trees now for Leeds. And players who were doing the business for them last year haven't been doing the business for them this year. Jack Harrison, main culprit. He is a shadow of the player he was last year and he was really good for them. Calvin Phillips looks tired because he's played a lot for England and he's getting that adulation there. Like you said, the defence, they don't play the same defence every week because they're always injured. And Yeah, well, I'm just yeah. wondering, is is he a relationship, relation to Oligel, though? Oh, as no. In, like, the... 
No, that's no. like build art, like G I L. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I just bought it surely, but build um... art. But no, he's good. He he played really well. Well, we always love to see a text one do well. I think. Oh, I. That's what I say. And just touching on um, what we mentioned about Calvin Phillips, he's not the only England who was really good in the Euros. Former, who was really struggled this season. Um. Let's go through. Let's go through that team, for example. Um, what? The, the the England team who's performed really well got to the Euro final. Pickford, yeah, has been himself. Um, Kyle Walker, I think he's been excellent. But then let's go Maguire. the rest of it. Um, Maguire has had a poor, poor season. Stones has not even got a kick. He's only played for England this year. Um, Luke Shaw, poor, poor season. Again, looks awful on the weekend. Declan Rice has been really good in fairness to him. Um, Level, probably. Yeah. Calvin Phillips is... Tired. Yeah, like you say, tired. He's recovering. Raheem Sterling can't get near the team, looking like he's one away. Yeah. Um, who else was regularly... Mason Mount, yeah, he scored the hat-trick, so that might be his... But prior to that, Jim... He's kind of come back. But prior to that, yeah. He's 25. He's, he's, he's a slow start. Um, Kane? That's was the main, main start. Yeah, Kane has been awful this year. Um, really bad, and then you look at the other players like Saka was playing a few games, he's really slow start. Like, he's not, not done much as he recently has been starting to play more because he's going back into the team. Jack Grealish has been okay in fairness to him, um, played a lot of games still, but yeah, a lot of that England team has made really slow or poor starts this season, and it, it can't be a coincidence. Well, you say that, Jim. But a player who's not had a slow start to this season, a player close to your heart, one Phil Foden, he was excellent against Brighton. Well, yeah, he was injured for the Euros final, so maybe the conspiracy goes on. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like, I don't even know what I can say about him. He's he's a ridiculous player. Um, Silly. He, he can't, recently as well, he's, he's just kind of thinking, right, like, fuck this, I'm playing in the middle and I'm just going to dominate games. And in years, yeah, like he, I know he was Andorra for England in the internationals, but you've seen him what he was doing. He was still pinging thirty-yard passes. I mean, the pitch size doesn't change. No, he he, pl- he plays against Club Bruges in the week in the false nine, and he was he was unbelievable. Uh, that was one of the best city performances I've seen in some time as well with him there. And then the first half against Brighton, he plays there again, and and Brighton aren't a bad team. The fourth, um, we're away. They beat us there last season. Um, and we, we battered him. Yeah, they came out second half and did really well. And that's why Paul's such a good manager because he, he, they got that character. But Phil Foden, he's, he's, he's close to unplayable this year. He, he's, his goal informants in the Champions League are only behind Mbappe and Haaland. Um, and I think them three are the best three youngsters in the world football. His goal involvement since the start of this calendar year for City is the highest in the league. He, he's doing bit, he's doing everything. He can he can score, he can create chances, he can assist. Dead ball is good. His balance is ridiculous. He's got a bit stronger now. I just think starting every week, and I think the development under Guardiola has been managed perfectly despite early criticism and we're reaping all the rewards he's going to be one of the best players he's, he's nominated for a Ballon d'Or at 21 and that's yeah. all I'll say about it yeah I mean like, like well you just mentioned it then the development and credit has to go to Pep when he wasn't playing and David Silva was there and Fernandinho and Fernando just Gundogan players like that 
And they're going, well, why don't you loan him out? And he's like, no, he'll, he'll be better if he stays here and just watches these players and trains with these players and just shows the fruits of his labour because that's what's happened. And as a result, he's become this monster of a young player who's not... Because it, obviously each individual is different. However, just to compare it, Mason Mount went out on loan to Derby and Vitesse and he's, he's great. However, if he did stayed at Chelsea... I don't think it would have benefited his development as much as Phil Foden has, just because, like I've just said, not everyone is the same. But Pep rolled the dice. This is it was a ballsy move, not loaning him out because at that age, it's a very fight or flight whether you develop or not. Because you could easily see that happening, and Phil Foden be the next, I don't know, uh, Daniel Sturridge. Probably done him a bit dirty there, but you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I know you mean. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly that. Um, I think with the Mason Mount situation, if you compare them to, I think Chelsea are a team like culturally whoever shifting from style to style. So alone kind of suits them. But safe under Guardiola's past five se- seasons have been the same team. They play the same identity. So keeping him around really does benefit him when he does gain that first team because he's brought up playing that kind of way and. Knowing when to were to go in the in the pitch and p- taking up positions stuff like that, and I think it's a perfect match because Guardiola is a freak, isn't he? When you think like he just loves football so much, he's just he's just a weirdo. He's a weird guy. I don't get how anyone loves football that much. But Phil Foden as a player, the amount of people around him who have said this about him, but he just lo- he just lives for football. He's constantly on the training pitch. He just picks up a ball and he loves it. It's a perfect match in that sense and. He's one of City's most important players. Um, I actually, I, well, I'm going to talk about Bernardo now because yeah. I think I think he's he's resurgent this season. Has been a great story for City. He was a one to way. He wanted to leave last season. He wanted to leave this season. Didn't get the move. I've said before, sixty million pound would be a steal for him, and it absolutely would because when he's playing like this, he is world class. In the middle of the pitch, the next to Rodriguez, that seems to be them two nailed on now. And you can fill that third position with either De Bruyne or Gundogan. But Bernardo is so, so good. His balance is ridiculous. Yeah. He knows when to pass. He's a workhorse too. He doesn't stop running. Uh, he, when, you, when, he's, when he's playing like this, he, there's not many better players to watch as a City fan because you love them kind of players who work hard for your team, don't you? And then they can back it up with a skill as well. Yeah, Bernardo is a manager's dream. And Pep, you can tell in the way that Pep speaks about him, that he knows he's a manager's dream. He knows that he wanted to play every week. It's no secret. He deserves to play every week. And that's that's what happens when you get to these big clubs. But I don't know if you know this, Jim, since your opening day defeat at Tottenham, he started every single game in that uh, right or left centre mid role. And look at what's happened. But he oh, did really? I didn't know that. at Spurs. Well, there you go. That's why I get paid the big bucks. <laughs> Not only Stan that gets the big bucks, but yeah. <laughs> he opening day defeat at Spurs. He started every single league game. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, his energy, though, is, is really good. and He's class. That's what's impressive about him. Like he, he just seems to be a constant. You kind of worry about rotating players because they might be a bit, a bit tired. And Bernardo just seems to be one of them who will go every week. Um, and he's a big game player as well. He yeah. absolutely loves it. He the, the bigger the occasion, the the harder he runs. And yeah, that is that is the manager's dream. You're absolutely right. And it will be key if City want to win this league. And 
I think we've talked about Chelsea, Liverpool and City being so impressive this weekend and I think we're in for a really good um, title race. I, I'm I'm really confident about City this season now after watching them. They've kind of like reassured me. Uh, they've had a really tough start and yeah. they've be, beat Chelsea. We should have beat Liverpool with uh, the Tottenham game was what it was. But we beat Arsenal, we beat Leicester fairly comfortably as well. Um, but then I look at Chelsea and Liverpool and think there's there's not weaknesses there, <laughs> so so one of them's going to have to slip up, or are we all just going to be like really good and go like 96, 95, 94 or something? <laughs> Someone's oh. going to win it by a point. Well, let's see. I did, the term is iron sharpens iron, so let's let's see what happens. I know you and Liverpool did it the other year where it was like 98, 99 points or whatever, but we'll we'll see if we can join the uh, the crew. We'll see if we can join the club. I could see it. I could I could see all three teams being plus 90 this year, separated by like three points. Imagine. What a, what an absolute advocate for the Prem that would be. Like, it's and, not already the Gold League, but... Yeah, and then them, them games between them three are just going to be massive. And they've already been like massive this year. Like, the Chelsea-Liverpool game and its dramas. Oh, yeah. Chelsea, the, 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 the Liverpool-City game and its dramas. Definitely. Um, <laughs> and, and they'll keep on happening and I think them games between each other will probably decide the league. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of That's The Way The Cookie Crumbles. Of course, that music can only mean one thing, and that one thing is the bet of the week. And let's not fuck around, let's get straight into it. I've gone for Leicester to beat Arsenal in the early kickoff at the King Power. I've gone for Liverpool to beat Brighton to nil at Anfield. Man City to do the same to Crystal Palace at the Etihad Stadium. And Chelsea to beat Newcastle United and under 2.5 goals in the game. So just to recap, Leicester to beat Arsenal. I've got Liverpool to beat Brighton to nil, Man City to beat Crystal Palace to nil, and Chelsea to beat Newcastle United away from home, and under 2.5 goals in the game. Oh, Jim's not here, and Stan's not here. Lazy bastards. Shove it up, you fucking hacker. I'm sorry to break this news to your listeners, but it is the shittest time of the week. The time where we do have to love you and leave you. But it's also the time where I can tell you where to find us when we're not around. So if you want to find us on Twitter and Instagram, we use the handle at cookiepodcast1. That's at cookiepodcast followed by the numerical one. You can find us on YouTube just searching TTWTCC podcast and we usually upload in clip form on there if you don't have time to listen to the entire pod and yeah it's been episode 119 of that's the way the cookie crumbles and i'll see you later